1: have your Bibles, open them up to the book of Jude, and we actually are going to be out of verse 3 tonight. matter of fact, I'm not even going to read it, because I know if I go back and read it, I'll park there a little bit, and I've been there too long, so I'm just going to begin reading in verse number 4, and I really want to get down to 5, 6, and 7, so this evening we're going to try our best to to jump into verses 5, 6, and 7 and try to get through these verses and, um, and really dig out some scripture. Uh, I'm going to open up a can of worms. I'm going to do that intentionally because Jude goes there. If he didn't go there, I probably would not go there. But he went there, so I've got to go there. Um, there's a huge theological debate on some of these things here. And I'll try to share with you several different views concerning those. And I'll share with you where I stand according to what I believe Scripture teaches. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, just fall in love with Jesus, have a relationship with Him, and He'll answer all of our questions when we get to heaven, okay? Uh, So we're going to dig in here and and look into some of these things. You know in verse number 3, He tells us to do what? You tell me what He says in verse 3 so I don't have to go there and camp out. Contend for the faith, right? what did he want to do? What did he want to write about? You tell me so I don't have to go there and camp out. Yeah, he wanted to write about this common salvation. He, he wanted to have a joyous message but he looked around in the church. You've got to understand he wasn't really looking into one particular church body such as this. He was looking into the churches and in the first century they had house churches and, uh, and, and, and the movement of Christianity and the movement of the gospel of grace. And that's really what was under attack here, was the gospel of grace. Um, And he saw that there were, I'll pick up reading in verse number 4, some men who were designated for this judgment long ago have come in by stealth. In other words, they came in under cover. Scripture talks about Satan being able to disguise himself as an angel or a messenger of light. In other words, you can't always tell on the outward appearance by the Bible they carry under their arm or the ministry they may have or, or what have you. Sometimes on the outward appearance it looks like a legitimate ministry or gospel or preacher or teacher. you got to dig a little deeper than that. Uh, Jude is saying that some came in by stealth. Look what he says about these individuals. He said they are what? Ungodly. They are ungodly individuals. They are, they are turning the grace of our God into promiscuity in other words they are being unfaithful with the gospel of grace and they are denying Jesus Christ our only master and Lord okay so that's what Jude is upset about and Peter if you write, read the, um, the writings of the, epistle, uh, the epistles of Peter you'll find that he is speaking along these same lines as well about these individuals that come in and are, are I guess the um, committing spiritual adultery, if you will, and handling the gospel of grace, okay? Now look what he says in verse number five. That's the issue at hand. That's what he's talking about. I'm going to read verses five, six, and seven, then come back and, and we'll try to lean into these verses a little bit and see what we can glean from them this evening. Now I want to remind you Matter of fact, I'm not talking right now. I'm reading the scripture. That's how it starts. I know you probably looked up to me right now. I thought, no, that's what the Bible says. Now, I want to remind you, though you know all these things, the Lord first saved the people out of Egypt and later destroyed those who did not believe. And he has kept, in verse 6, he has kept with eternal chains in darkness for the judgment of the great day the angels who did not keep their own position but deserted their proper dwelling. And in the same way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them committed sexual immorality and practiced perversions just as the angels did and serve as an example by undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Okay? Guys, do you realize that sooner or later divine justice... And divine judgment will catch up with ungodly men and women. I mean, there's a payday coming someday, right? What goes around comes around. God does keep a record. He is paying attention. And divine justice and divine judgment will catch up with ungodly men. Now, I want you to notice, I I think it's somewhat intriguing when... He says in verse number five, when he starts out, he says, Now I want to remind you. Why did he say that? The reason he said that is because he, in writing to the first century church, was well aware of what was being taught in the church, he was well aware of what they knew. He was well aware of the historical accounts that had been passed down from generation to generation to generation about what God has done, where he's brought them from, and where he's brought them to. Okay, They know what he's talking about here. Whenever we jump into verse 5, 6, and 7... We look at this and we think, man, what is he talking about here? People in Egypt later destroyed. Angels left their first estate and, and, and are destroyed. Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed. What, what are the stories here? I just want you to see going into this, when Jude was writing, he was writing to a group of believers that was well aware of what had taken place. This was common knowledge to them. Look what he says in verse number 5. Now I want to remind you, look what he says, though you know all these things, okay? He's really not telling them anything new. He's stirring up their memory, okay? He knows that they already know this. I just want you to see that within the context of the letter here that he's not unpacking some new thing with them or to them. He's telling them what they already know. He is just reminding them of several things. Now, when we look in verse number 5 and following here, we're changing gears a little bit if you will. In verses 1 and 2 we have the introduction of the letter, of the epistle. In verses 3 and 4 we have the alarm. And I've spent several weeks sounding the alarm. Okay, I think it's important that we see what the alarm is. And what was he alarmed about? Those that have snuck in unaware, committed spiritual adultery, if you will, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, denying Jesus Christ and the grace of our Lord. And he's pointing these individuals out, okay? Apostates are on the scene. Now, verses 5 down through verse number 16, I want you to see how the context changes a little bit here, okay? In verses 5 down through verse number 16, these are the warnings. These are the warnings of the perils or dangers of apostasy, okay? That's what Jude now is turning his attention to. He's already given his introduction, and the introduction is who he was writing to. And I spent a couple of weeks talking about those people, the believers in Jesus Christ, and how we're called and loved and we're kept and we're blessed, and that's, the, that's who he was writing to. Then he sounded the alarm, and, and the alarm was these men have come in in stealth, undercover, and there's apostates in the church, and they're turning you away from the gospel of Jesus Christ, denying Jesus Christ. Okay, They're committing spiritual adultery, if you will, with the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the alarm. But now in verses 5 down through verse number 16, he gives us these warnings, these warnings concerning the peril or the dangers of apostasy. Now, within verses 5 through 16, I believe there are two divisions. In verses 5, 6, and 7... I believe he gives us three examples of past apostates, if you will, okay? And that's what we're going to try to look at this evening. Hopefully, we can get through all three of these. Somehow, I I believe we may not, (laughs) but we're going to look at these, okay? In verses 8 through verse number 16, he is describing the upcoming judgment on present day apostates, okay? So we're going to look at verses 5 through 7. And we're going to try to unpack, maybe not completely, these three examples of these that committed apostasy in the past and how they were destroyed, okay? So that's what we want to look at. All right, with that groundwork being laid, let's just jump in here and see if we can kind of dig through these three different examples that Jude lays out for us. We'll begin in verse number 5. I want to remind you, though you know all these things, get this. Here's the first one. The Lord first saved a people of Egypt or out of Egypt and later destroyed those who did not believe, okay? The first example are the Israelites that were delivered out of Egypt, okay? That's what he's bringing the reference to and he is reminding them and he's reminding them of the fact, get this now, that most of the Israelites who left Egypt were not faithful to God, okay? That's what he's reminding them of. That's nothing new. He tells them in writing, you already know this. I'm just reminding you of this, that there was many who left Egypt that that just were not faithful. Matter of fact, I believe scripture teaches us that there was an, an, an entire generation who perished in the wilderness because of their unbelief. And you can go in Hebrews 3 verse 16 through 19 and you can start unpacking that and, and you'll be able to see that. Matter of fact, I don't know how many, uh, how many watched on the History Channel this past Sunday evening in the Bible. Yeah, some, some some saw some of it, some DVR it. What a great, great movie. Now, there's some things if I wanted to be real nitpicky, I could get real nitpicky and pick it apart a little bit. However, all in all, I think it's a great movie. I love what they've done with it. I kinda like the fact that the angels turned into ninjas. <laughs> I don't know that I see that in scripture. I do know there was a battle though, so I'm okay with that. And I always won. What I do like about it, though, is God's men are tough. Man, you don't mess with God's men. That's why I told Tyler, we were watching, I said, hey, you don't mess with God's guys. Right? You know, I guess they took liberty where the Bible didn't clearly articulate. They put a little Hollywood in there, and I was okay with that. I didn't have any problem with that because we won. right? I had a problem if the angels had gotten beat. Right? But they conquered. troubles and all the trials and, and all that the, the children of Israel went through. And it, it showed from creation, you may have to turn me down a little bit. It, it showed from creation all the way and it showed them crossing the Red Sea. Did you guys see that scene? Yes. Wasn't, that, wasn't that just kind of, wow. I, I thought it was kind of awesome. But do you realize, and as I was watching that, I was thinking about this passage. And then as I was studying this even more, I I got to thinking, man, there was a lot of those. Could you imagine seeing God do all those miracles and those miraculous things and then not being faithful to him and not following him well that's what that's what jude is reminding them of okay i'm reminding you of these things that you already know about how the lord first saved the people out of egypt now that word saved don't confuse it with the word that we use as saved okay he's not saying these were born again believers He was saying how he delivered them out. That's what that means there. He he delivered them out. He brought them out of bondage and out of Egypt. And he later destroyed those who did not believe. Here's something I wrote in my notes. You may want to write it in your notes or at least put it in the margin of your brain if you can remember it for any length of time. The continuous blessings of God depends. They hinge on something. The continuous blessings of God depends or hinges on the continuous reliance on God. You get what I'm saying here? The continuous blessings of God depends upon the continuous reliance upon God. Now, the New Testament writers, man, that was in their mind all the time. And there are several places I could take you in Scripture to kind of show you that. But I want you to realize they never, they never forgot. Man, they were always remembering what happened to those people that God had delivered out of Egypt. But they turned themselves over to an unbelieving heart and have God destroyed a whole generation out there in the wilderness. Matter of fact, I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. I want you to look at this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. Go there with me if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And here we're, here's where I want you to see Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And I want you to see how the fate of those disbelieving, unbelieving, rebellious, apostate Israelites was even on the mind of the Apostle Paul and the church In Jesus' day, they never forgot that. Okay? That's why a Jew could say, I'm going to remind you about what you already know. Okay? Here we're going to see where Paul is addressing that in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. Now, let's just begin in verse number 1. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and they all ate the same spiritual food and they drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from a spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was what? Christ. Okay? That rock was Christ. But look what he says in verse number 5. Here's where I want you to see that the writers of the New Testament, they all write to this, okay? In all the writings, you can see this. It never left their mind the possibility of apostasy and how those that have followed God and seen God move, how they rejected Him and turned away from Him in a spirit of unbelief. Look what he says in verse 5. But God was not pleased with most of them, for they were struck down in the wilderness. Now these things became... Get this, these things became examples for us so that we will not desire evil things as they did. And then he's going to give us a list of things. Don't become idolaters as some of them were. You see, some of them became idolaters. Man, they started worshiping another God, man-made God, golden calves and images and other things. They started, they turned, that's one of the Ten Commandments, right? I mean, you would really think that they wouldn't do that after they saw God bring them through all the miraculous things he brought them through, and then seeing Moses up there on the mountain with God and could see what's going on up there, maybe not experience it all as Moses and Joshua did, but knew they were up there, and they just turned from him and started worshiping another God. That stayed on on the mind of the writers of the New Testament, and here you can see it's on Paul's mind. He says, don't become idolaters in verse 7, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and they got up to play. And then in verse number 8, let us not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in a single day, 23,000 people fell dead. You know, guys, I think... I think we must be careful that we preach the whole counsel of God. That's one of the things that Paul told the leaders of of the church at Ephesus when he brought them over to Miletus. He said, "I I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Sometimes we just want to preach half of the gospel. Matter of fact, churches are being filled across America by the hundreds and thousands because all they're preaching is half of the gospel. God loves you. Just come on to God. They're not preaching on sin. They're not preaching on sexual immorality. They're not preaching on the judgment of God. They're not preaching on God's hand of judgment being, being, being stiff against sinful, rebellious people. You can't draw a crowd preaching hard stuff like that. Hello? Hello? But I want you to know that Paul was aware of that and he laid some things down because he knew that just as, just as sure as there is a God in heaven that loves us, there's also a God in heaven that is holy and His judgment and His wrath will be poured out on all wickedness and all sin. Hello? Matter of fact, keep your thumb in 1 Corinthians 10, turn back to Jude. I want you to look at the latter part of, of Jude 7 and he says... These things serve an example by undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. In other words, Judah's saying, these that committed apostasy and turned back and rebelled against God and, and do hey, they're in hell today. That's what he's saying. Are you with me, church? Are you with me? All right, go, go back in 1 Corinthians 10. I'm thinking I'm not going to get through these three. Let us not commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in a single day 23,000 people fell dead. Look in verse 9, 1 Corinthians 10. Let us not test Christ as some of them did, and were destroyed by snakes. Look at verse 10. Nor should we complain as some of them did, and were killed by the destroyer. Verse 11. Now these things happened to them as examples, and they were written as a warning to us on whom the ends of the age have come. Paul is saying, listen, guys, we can, if we will turn around and look, we can learn a few things. And he said, he said, all of this has been passed down to us as examples so that we will not do that. Jude, once again, is reminding them of this very thing that Paul was writing about. And he said, they're, they're examples for us. That we will not desire these evil things, that we will not become idolaters, nor commit sexual immorality, nor test Christ, nor complain. (laughs) A lot of times we categorize sin. We think, oh, I I, I would never sell out the gospel of Christ, and I would never do away with the grace of God, and, and I don't know that I'd go as far as committing sexual immorality. But let me ask you this. Do you murmur? Do you criticize and complain? Do you talk ill about your brother or sister in Christ? I believe that's what Paul's talking about in verse number 10. Nor should we complain, as some of them did. You see, they were murmuring, Moses, you brought us out here to die? All we get is this, this, this manna? Are you kidding me? Really? And that was some of the murmuring. And com- All we get is water out of this rock and manna? God was providing that for them every single day. And they were murmuring and complaining about it. They brought judgment on them. Right? Now, I want you to see that's what Jude is referencing, and Paul even referenced that, in how these individuals always kept in their mind about those that came out of Egypt. I'm back in Jude, verse number 5. How the Lord first saved the people out of Egypt and later destroyed those who did not believe. Okay, that's, that's the first example. And there's more you could say about that, and you could go pack there, park there even longer and, and dig out a lot more. But, but I think you get the picture. Okay, now the second one, I've got about 15 minutes, and I'll probably only have enough time to introduce this, but we're going to jump in here with both feet, kind of see where we land, okay? See how far we get. What's the second example that he gave us? Now, the example, remember what it is? It's the example of apostates in the past, now God brought judgment, all right? An apostate is one that just changes their belief system. I'm, I'm, no, I'm not doing that any longer. I don't I'm going this way. I'm not going that way. All right? I'm turning from God, not following after God anymore. The second example are angels. Angels. <laughs> you realize there's a third of the angels that were created by God that followed after Lucifer, which was one of the great angels in heaven that was over the worship he was a praise and worship leader in heaven. He was over the music. His responsibility was to orchestrate the praise and the worship around the throne. And as he was doing that, he got jealous. And he wanted to overtake God's throne. And so he started a coup, a following. And it all started with going to this angel, going to that. Hey, let me do this, let me do this. And there it just starts spreading. And a third of the angels followed him. And God threw him out of heaven. But let's look, if you will, in verse number 6. And as he has kept. Now remember, he's, I'm picking up from verse 5. Now I want to remind you, though you know all these things. Verse 6. As he has kept with eternal chains in darkness for the judgment of the great day, the angels who did not keep their own position but deserted their proper dwelling. And then if you look down at verse number 7, it talks about Sodom and Gomorrah, and I don't want to park there with them too much, but how Sodom and Gomorrah committed sexual immorality. They practiced perversions just as angels did. That's what I want you to see there. So these angels are pretty bad dudes, right? I mean, they left their first estate. They did not keep their own position. They deserted their proper dwelling place, and they were involved in some type of immoral activity just as Sodom and Gomorrah was involved in this immoral activity. Now, I'm not making this up, right? You see it in your Bibles? Everybody tell me you see it in your Bibles, okay? I'm not making up some crazy story. I'm just trying to teach you what the Bible is saying here. And Jude has given us the example of the Israelites that left Egypt And because of their rebellion, their unbelief, God destroyed a whole generation of them. And now his reference is the angels that committed apostasy and left their first estate and did not stay where they were supposed to stay, worshiping God. Okay, Now, I want you to know that among the angels, there are those who remain in their rightful place. Two-thirds of the angels are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Okay? They were created for that. But we know the Bible teaches us that, that there's a third of them who were disobedient. They were rebellion. They left, as Judas saying, they left their positions of authority. And they're now in darkness and they're bound for judgment on the great day. Now, and then it says in verse number 7, that they were involved in some type of immorality just as the angels did in reference to Sodom and Gomorrah and the sexual immorality there. Now to understand this I think we got to go back into the Old Testament. Okay, Now I'm not going to go back to the creation of angels and the fall of Lucifer and Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah and all these other but I'm not going to do that. I think we understand that. But I do want to go back to Genesis chapter 6. So let's jump back there if you will please. Genesis chapter 6. Now, I'm, I'm getting ready. You, you may not even be aware of, of this theological debate. And if you're not even aware of it, <coughs> I almost don't even want to expose it to you. But I think you need to be well-versed in Scripture. I think you need to understand where the debates are and some of the things that we don't really know. Okay? Look in verse number six. I mean, I'm sorry, chapter six. Genesis chapter six and verse number one. It says, When mankind beca- began to multiply on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God, pay attention to that, the sons of God, saw that the daughters of mankind, or the daughters of men, were beautiful. And they took any they chose as wives for themselves. And the Lord said, My spirit will not remain with mankind forever because they are corrupt, and their days will be 120 years. Now I realize if you have a study Bible, it probably has a little commentary there, and it's going to explain to you exactly what that is, but... Let me share with you about what this verse is implying. Some feel that the reference that you made in Jude 6 and even in 7 may refer to Genesis 6, 1 through 4, that the sons of God cohabited with the daughters of men on earth and they think these sons of God were the fallen angels. Okay? that came and had sexual relations with the daughters of men. Now stay with me. We're going to go somewhere with this. There are three different views, theologically speaking, on this passage of Scripture. Tremendous amount of debate in Genesis 6 about the sons of God and the daughters of men and the angels leaving their first estate and coming down to the earth and having sexual relations Jude made reference to that. Did he not? Come on now. Did he, he made some reference to that. So let's dig in there and see what we can find out about Scripture. View number one. By the way, I don't agree with, just so you know. View number one is this. Some suggest that the sons of God are the godly line of Seth. And that the daughters of men were the Canaanites, and how those two came together. However, I don't take that view. And the reason I do not accept that view is because it does not do justice to the terminology that Jude is using, nor to the context of the scripture. Okay? It's not talking about the godly line of Seth and the Canaanite women in Jude 6 and 7 is it? Stay with me here. It's okay. It's, it's all right. We're going to survive. It's going to be okay. If the Lord doesn't tarry, he's coming. The sun's coming up in the morning, so it's going to be a good day, okay? So don't let this get too heavy, but I want you to see the views here. So I don't accept that view. I, I don't believe the sons of God are, 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 the, are the godly line of Seth, nor do I believe the daughters of men are, just, are, are simply the, the Canaanite women, I don't believe it lines up with the rest of Scripture. There's another view. View number two is this. Others view this as the sons of God as angels. And by the way, if you go to Job 1 and 6, let's just go there. Instead of me just telling you, I just want you to see it. It references sons of God as angels. Okay? Job 1 and 6. Others view the sons of God as angels, as in Job 1 and 6. Look at Job 1 and 6. One day the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. And the Lord asked Satan, Where have you come? Then he says, To and fro on the earth, blah, blah, blah. And then he attacks Job. Okay, So sons of God is a reference to angels. All right. So here in this view, others view that the sons of God as angels, as in Job 6, had sexual relations with the daughters of men which were the women of the earth. Now some theologians believe that these fallen demonic angels, a third of the angels that followed Lucifer and were thrown out of heaven by God, that they flooded the earth and they started having sexual relationships with the women of the earth to corrupt the seed. The whole idea is to corrupt the seed. So that the seed of Christ will not come. That's the whole idea of what's trying to be taking place here. You understand that, right? Okay? But I don't accept that position either. Because now here we have angels that are having sex with physical women. Are you okay? Well, why don't I accept that? Well, go to Matthew chapter 22. Here's why I don't accept that view. Matthew chapter 22, and this is the whole discussion that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were having with Jesus about what we would be like in the resurrection, okay, in heaven. And I'm not going to go and unpack all of this teaching, but I want you to get in verse number 29 of Matthew 22. And Jesus answered them, you are deceived because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. For in the resurrection... They neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. So the point is, when you get to heaven, will you know your spouse? Yes, but you will not know him or her in a sexual way as you know them physically here on the earth. They will be a brother and sister in Christ, and you'll be glad they're there. There'll be a reunion day, but it's not going to be like this intimate, physical relationships that husband and wives have today here on the earth. It's not going to be like that in heaven. Why? Because the angels aren't like that. That's what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying, the angels aren't even having sex. Are you with me? Okay, sometimes I just got to put it blunt so you can just see it there. But, but that's the reference. That's what, that's what he's alluding to there. For in the, in, the, in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. So therefore, I don't accept view number two that the sons of God are fallen angels that are having sexual relations with with the daughters of men the men on the the women on the earth I do however line up with view number three I lean on it pretty heavy I don't know that I put my head on a guillotine there I may I lean there pretty heavily but even in this at the end of the day these are things I'm going to talk with Jesus about when we get to heaven And let him clearly explain all of this to me. I have some questions about all of this. But in trying to lead a church and be true to the scripture and knowing there's all kind (laughs) there is all types of teachings out there on this very subject. And you're going to find most of the teaching line up with these three views that I've shared with you the godly line of Seth. The angels coming down having sexual relationships with the women. That's view one and two. I tend to lean to view number three. With just simply, you got to understand. The incident at hand is filled with arrogance. Okay? The proud are overstepping their bounds. The rebellion is taking place. So therefore I believe that the sons of God. Get this now. Let me see I can word this properly so we understand it. I believe that the sons of God are tyrants, are men that are evil, that are filled with lust. They're driven for fame and fertility. And I believe they are possessed by the demons of hell, the third of the angels that were cast out of heaven, I think these sons of God may have been, may have been. I can't be dogmatic on this because we really don't know. I mean, I've used a little bit of scripture to try to build my story here, but but God's said it's none of that. Here's what it was. I'm like, okay, but this is the best I can get out of it. And I'm going to pass it to you. Don't come up to me after and say, my Bibles, I know what your Bible says. I've got about every study Bible that's ever been written. Okay. I probably have your study Bible in my office. And I probably have your commentary that you're reading from on my computer, okay? I've got I've got over four thousand volumes of books in my Logos Bible software library. I've read the stuff. No, 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 my preacher Martha. I understand. I understand. You you pick whatever view you want to pick, and you kind of hang your hat on it if you want to. So so don't come up to me and say no, no, no I believe that. Listen. I'm just sharing with you what I believe, and, and I'm not being dogmatic, and I'm not saying you got to believe this to go to heaven. I'm saying you got to trust Jesus as Savior, repent of your sins, be born again, have a relationship with Christ. When we get there, we'll ask Him to explain it to us, okay? So You understand where I'm at here? I, I, I believe view number three lines up what I think may be the best here. I believe that these sons of God were powerful rulers that were wicked and vile, and filled with lust and fame and fertility and wanted to spread their seed and corrupt. And I believe that the fallen angels that left were thrown out of heaven inhabited the bodies of these cruel human tyrants or rulers or warriors, the mighty ones of the earth. Now, why do I say that? Do I have a chapter and verse that backs that up? Well, I think I do. And we're going to have to go to the book of Daniel. Okay. So turn with me to Daniel chapter 10. Let me share with you why I lean, okay, why I lean this direction. Good grief. I'm talking and I can't even find Daniel. Why I lean towards Daniel chapter number 10. Are you there? (laughs) No, I'm in Daniel 2. Daniel (laughs) 10. I had a, uh, by the way, it kind of reminded me of I was preaching a funeral in a uh, Catholic church back in North Carolina, and I'd minister to this lady, and she was in our community, and her wishes were when she died that I would come and preach her funeral. She was Catholic. She was from up north, and, and she wanted me to preach the gospel at her funeral to her family that lived down in South Carolina. And I said, okay, I'll do that. And so I show up at the Catholic church that morning. The priest comes, and I walk in there with my Bible, and and uh, he says, uh, so you, you're going to preach out of that thing? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and he said, why don't you put that thing aside? And my secretary stayed up all night, and this morning she's written out what you need to say. You just read this letter and put that aside. And I said, no, I'm going to preach out this book. And he said, that thing is just, it's cumbersome. It gets in the way. Just push. You don't need that. You use this. So whenever I'm sitting here fumbling over the scriptures, I thought, maybe he's right. Maybe it is kind of, but no, he's not. He's not. He's not. Okay. I understand that. But Daniel chapter 10. Are you there? You've been there a long time. You've been waiting on me, haven't you? <laughs> Daniel chapter ten. I, w- I want you to look, and I, I don't even have time to, to to unpack all of this. I've preached the entire book of Daniel. It's on the podcast. You can see every sermon that I've written that I've preached on on the book of Daniel, and and we talk about this. But but here's where I want you to see that in the heavenlies there are battles, there is wars that are taking place, and and and, and these rulers have princes. They have they have they have angels that empower them. if you will look in, in Daniel chapter ten, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. A message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, and the message was true and was about a great conflict, and he understood the message, had understanding. Come on down through there. Daniel's morning; He's praying. He's, he's searching for wisdom, searching for the interpretation of the dream and the vision, and suddenly a hand touched me, in verse number 10, Daniel 10, suddenly a hand touched me and raised me to my hands and my knees, and he said to me, Daniel, you are a man treasured by God. Understand the words that I'm saying to you. Stand on your feet, for I have now... Been sent to you. And after he said this to me, I stood trembling. Don't be afraid, Daniel, he said to me. For from the first day that you purposed to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your prayers were heard. I have come because of your prayers, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me for 21 days. And then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me after I had been left there with the king of of Persia. Now I have come to help you." Here's what I want you to see. God dispatched one of His angels to go to Daniel to deliver the message to him. But the king of Persia was a tyrant, was an evil, wicked, vile man. But I want you to look what it says. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me for 21 days. Question, did the angels personally get in a fight with the king of Persia? No, he got in a fight, I believe, with one of the demonic Angels that had followed Satan was kicked out of heaven that I believe had had rested, maybe even inhabited, this wicked, vile ruler. And now there's this battle in the heavenlies. The battle was so fierce between these angels that God looked down and saw that they were in battle for 21 days. Man, I, I wish I could whistle like that. But I believe, here's the picture I get in my mind. God goes... And he whistles, Michael, go down there and take care of that. And Michael leaves with orders from God and straightens out that battle and gets that messenger to Daniel. Do you see the spiritual, angelic battle taking place there between the good and the bad? So I believe this lines up, And man, I'm over my time, I'm sorry. I I believe this lines up, a lot easier with Genesis 6 talking about the sons of God are having sexual relations with the daughters of men and they're corrupting the earth. And I believe what it is, I believe there are rulers, I believe there are warriors, I believe there are tyrants, I believe there are evil men that were indwelt or inhabited, if you will, by these fallen angels. They were having sexual, they were trying to destroy the seed of Christ that would come. I think that makes better sense scripturally of what was taking place there with these angels that were involved in this sexual immorality as Jude was making reference to. What do you think? It may have been that the fallen angels left their habitation, inhabited the bodies of the cruel human tyrants, rulers, warriors, the mighty ones of the earth, because I believe we see that taking place in Daniel chapter 10 with the angels in a battle there. Okay? All right now, there's probably more I could say about that, but I think you get the gist. There's three views on the sons of God and daughters of men. One, godly line of Seth with the men. I don't think that lines up with the angels and the sexual immorality and, and the stuff that are taking place there. The second view is that the angels themselves were having sexual relations with the women of men. I don't believe angels themselves can do that. I believe they've got to have a, a body that they're going to indwell in. And, and being and influence, I believe the third view lines up the best, especially when you get into Daniel 10. There's other places you can go and you can see these, these evil princes and, and, and kings and rulers and tyrants, how they had this evil prince or, or this angelic demonic being that succumbed them to carry out these activities. Anyhow, my point is, if we go back to Jude, I'm going to try to wrap this thing up here. I'm not going to get the third one. We'll unpack that and continue next week. He says, I want to remind you, though you know all these things, the Lord saved the people out of Egypt and later destroyed those who did not believe. And he's kept with eternal chains and darkness for the judgment of the great day the angels who did not keep their own position but deserted their proper dwelling. In the same way, Solomon, Gomorrah, and the seeds around committed sexual immorality and practiced perversions just as the angels did. And therefore, he wraps it up, and they serve as an example for undergoing the punishment of eternal fire now next week I want to come back I want to talk a little bit about Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities then I want to talk about this eternal fire that he's talking about here and here's what I want you to understand those that commit apostasy those that rebel against God those that do not follow God they will not be in heaven they will spend eternity in hell and it's a real place And Jude is stirring up their mind by way of remembering the stories and what has been passed down. You know these things about the children of Israel, how a generation was wiped away. You know these things about the sons of God, I believe demonic angels, that embodied, if you will, tyrants and evil men had sexual relations trying to destroy the seed and the lineage of Christ from coming. And how they are going to be judged and eternally bound in in hell. And then he's going to talk about the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Listen, the point is, ungodliness and rebellion will face judgment. Apostates will face judgment. And he's given us examples of those who committed apostasy and the judgment that they have been under and will be under. Okay? That's kind of the point where we're going with that. What Jude now I realize open opened up a whole can of worms there. And I hope you were able to dig through some of that stuff. And, man, I remember sitting in class and, man, discussing that, debating that, and all those different views and ideas. And, listen, and if you have another view, that's okay. I still love you. You're still my brother and sister in Christ, and we'll let God settle it in heaven. I don't want to get in a debate and an argument with you what your view may be of this. Because at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to affect your salvation. Hello? And we'll just get to heaven and let Jesus explain exactly what that means. But I do want to try to be true to Scripture. And I've never been one to shine a passage of Scripture. Let's just jump in there and dig it out. And so hopefully that's given you something you can take and study out for yourself and see what you can come up with. And if you need my notes, I'll be glad to send you my notes. Just shoot me an email and I'll get them to you.